Welcome to the Sleep Roundtable podcast. Each week leading up to the 10th annual Sleep Roundtable, I'll be chatting with one of this year's renowned industry expert speakers. If you haven't already, be sure to get registered for the roundtable. It's the leading dental sleep conference for sleep dentists and their teams. And it's in Dallas on October 7th through 10th. Go to sleeproundtable.com to get registered. Now sit back and get ready to learn a thing or two in preparation for this year's highly anticipated sleep roundtable. Enjoy. Hey, how are you? Hey, we're good. You're looking good. I, uh, I, I'm glad to be with a, a claimed author. <laughs> I have to admit, I haven't read your book yet. I need to read it. Uh, it's on audio now too, so. Okay. A lot of people like audio. I, I think that's fantastic. I didn't know that you were writing. That's fantastic. Today I'm speaking with Jamie Machinsky. She's a healthcare and corporate law attorney with extensive experience helping healthcare practices handle an array of regulatory and operational issues, including but not limited to compliance, insurance reimbursement, and licensure. She has significant experience in the sleep medicine arena, and we're very excited to have her. Thanks, Jamie, for being here. Thank you, Dr. Smith. I'm, I'm excited to talk with you and to get ready for the upcoming roundtable. Looking uh, forward, tremendously looking forward to being all together in person after a, a challenging year and learning all of you and talking about the key issues um, that, that all of you are facing. And so I've been excited to be invited and, um, and, and I'm looking forward and I know I need to be on my game because there's going to be a lot of good questions. And uh, right now we have a lot going on, wouldn't you say, Dr. Smith? Yeah, there's, there's a lot that needs to be answered, a lot of questions that don't have answers yet, but I'm sure you're going to help us as much as you can. But, you know, first I want to give you some congratulations. Uh, being named a leading lawyer in Chicago Lawyers Diversity Issue. That's quite an accomplishment. So how does one get that? Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, it's been really fun to hear. And I was nominated um, by um, my firm, um, the marketing department nominated me. And uh, I was excited to be included. And the best part has been hearing from people like you that I know, you know, professionally and uh, people throughout my career. It's just been really fun. So they were looking for candidates that um, have been working, working in law and then also did community service and um, and mentoring too. So I think those were the other two categories and really fun to hear from uh, people. So thank you. That's yeah, that's fantastic. Well, as I mentioned, you've got extensive experience in healthcare and corporate law, but, but specifically your expertise in the area of sleep medicine. But really, where did it all start? I mean, healthcare law specifically, how did you decide to go in that direction? So that's a, that's a really great question because as a law student and as a young lawyer, I did not know that my career ended, would end up being, uh, some of my clients call me the queen of sleep, um, which I don't know that I'm the queen of sleep, but um, I need more sleep like all of us. I, I really had the good fortune as a, as a young lawyer to work with a client who was developing a, a didactic program, a training program for sleep physicians and sleep techs. And so I helped her put together her company, 
her program, her policies and procedures. And I really grew with her um, and, and learned a lot about sleep. And then I will say um, of my 29 year career, the last 18 years has been focused on sleep medicine. But I would say the last 10, 11 years, I've really worked in the space of dental sleep medicine. And I've been very fortunate uh, to meet all the great people um, through the different associations. Um, I've been teaching at Tufts um, and the residence modules. Um, so I, I hope to bring to the round table, the, the, from the legal standpoint, the regulatory compliance standpoint of the things that I've yeah. seen. Um, you know, how do you manage the relationship between a dental sleep medicine practice in a, a sleep medicine, a sleep lab, you know, how do you, how do you work that out? And, and I know that you've had great success with that, Dr. Smith, and things are changing. And, you know, it used to be where I would see um, the, the sleep lab would bring in um, a, a, a dental sleep medicine, a dentist specialist, and now it's the other way around, you know, so mm -hmm. we're seeing the tides are turning and there's different hybrid models. So a lot of what I do is structure um, these models for regulatory compliance. Um, and so I really grew with a client and then I expanded on, in the writing and speaking I do. And I just feel very fortunate um, because I, I have had a, um, a wonderful career in this space, met some really wonderful people, um, learned a lot. And I really feel from the vantage point of healthcare that um, as far as the, it's life changing, the work that you do, and your colleagues do, you know, and, and helping patients sleep better. And so I, I like to feel like I have a very small part in that in helping practices and, and um, it, you know, help them with, with how they um, provide care to their patients. Well, I think you've already had a huge part in that, and we really appreciate that. You've done some great work over the years, and uh, many of us have benefited from that, and uh, I hope many more will, and I, I'm assuming you will continue in the field. I thought it interesting that you used to serve as the vice president of a national healthcare consulting firm. Yes. So what, what did that entail? So my first um, five and a half years of my career, I worked with a lot of the big health systems. And I think that's how I got interested in how do you have this patient from the continuum of care? I know that's like a 1980s term, but it's still, I think, effective um, continuum of care. So I was setting up rehabilitation hospitals, long-term care hospitals, rehab units, inpatient, outpatient, skilled nursing facilities, everything post-acute. So it helped me to understand um, when I, I was working for a lot of the big health systems, I was on a plane every week. I became a million mile flyer um, shortly into my into my time as a consultant with the group. We were all attorneys. It was an interesting um, firm to work for. We were all attorneys. Um, and then we consulted with um, big health systems to set up post-acute venues of care. So I, I got to see as a very young lawyer, I got to work with a lot of the C-suite CEO, the CFO, and I, I really quickly learned how important the finance, not only the regulatory compliance side is, but the finance. Um, you know, you can have a great program, but if, you, if you're not getting paid, you know, by the third party payers. 
And so um, helping on different audits and investigations with these health systems. So as a young lawyer, it was uh, invaluable experience in it, it, just walking in and, and learning about you know, a health systems issues and then putting into play. So it's some big projects out West and, and on the East and the West Coast and setting up um, rehab centers and, and continuums of care. So, so did the sleep medicine differ from those other healthcare practices uh, very much or is it? No, I don't think so. I, I think it it's part of, I think that's a really good question, Dr. Smith, because when we went through healthcare reform, we had all this talk about the medical home, right? You know, everybody was talking about, we want patients to have medical homes. We want them to be in a venue where they, um, you know, are, and I think sleep medicine and dental sleep medicine and post-acute has been doing that for years. You know, they, they put the team around the patient. And as you know um, very well, if a patient isn't sleeping, if they're not breathing, if they have um, apnea, that impacts their whole health. You know, and so I think there's been a greater acknowledgement and understanding um, since healthcare reform of the importance of sleep medicine because it can be preventative and and dental sleep medicine, as you know, it's life changing as we've talked about. Um, but I think it it fits in, and I think quite honestly, the other part of other aspects of healthcare, meaning the healthcare system, has had to understand that. So I put together um, networks of sleep um, labs and dental sleep medicine clinics for different health systems um, with physicians, with dentists, with all kinds of different providers um, so that that patient has the ability to get the care they need. Well, speaking of getting the care they need, I don't know if you plan on talking about laws around telehealth and telemedicine at all at the roundtable, but just give us a 40,000 foot view on where you see that going, uh, you know, because we were, we've always used it to a certain extent, but then COVID, boy, it ramped up like crazy. And now Medicare is pulling back, United Healthcare is pulling back. Where is this all going? Oh, that's, uh, that's, a, that's a really important question. Before COVID, I was working in the space of telemedicine and some of the presenters that you have, other presenters, the faculty at the round table are like experts in you know in telemedicine and have been using it really effectively throughout their career and um in their practice so i've been working in that space for several years but i will say the pivot really happened i had clients that never used telemedicine telehealth until covid and then all of a sudden their their 90 percent of their practice is telemedicine. Now, we both know that you can't replace certain things like a surgery or the delivery of the appliance, the actual delivery of the appliance. You have to have face-to-face -face in person for, for some of that, the consults, the follow-up, the um, store and forward. So I do plan to talk about telemedicine. There's been under the CARES Act and under all the new regulations during COVID, there's been additional reimbursement and codes um, that there's been a relaxation of HIPAA. I'm going to talk about that. So I'm I'm a big fan, a big proponent of telemedicine in practices as it's structured correctly and the challenges. So definitely want to talk about that because um, that has been um, become a reality for many practices um, that never had to do it before. Well, another hot button issue are HSTs. 
seems like the regulations are becoming a little more strict. The insurance companies are catching on. Boy, where are we there on the legal front? And and is that something you're going to help us with at the roundtable? Of course, things will probably change between now and October. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're, we're, we're actually recording this in July, and who knows what it'll be like in a few months. Well, I've been really tracking that issue because I know that the ADSM, Dr. Schwartz, you know, the the message that came out um, several months ago was very, very um, important, you know, as far as the the message, as far as dentists being able to um, prescribe the HST. And so what I've been watching, and you're right, I think it's going to change. It's ever evolving, possibly going to change before our time together this fall. But one of the things that I've been watching is the reimbursement, you know, the reimbursement and the documentation. So I definitely plan on talking about the HST and how it can be a component of a, of a dental sleep medicine practice and a and from the, the dentist's viewpoint and how they manage that and how they get reimbursed and how they document it. And I think most importantly, Dr. Smith, making sure about liability, you know, not taking on more liability um, than, than, the, than the practice needs to take on or should take on. So some strategies as far as um, how do you manage that? How do you handle that? And how do you coordinate that with another a, a sleep medicine physician? you know, and in the care um, so that you have coordinated care from the vantage point of the sleep, the, the test, the follow-up, and then the, diagno the diagnosis and the follow-up care. So yes, stay tuned. That is a very hot topic. And um, who would have known, you know, as I, um, you know, as I've been reading up on and as we all been following this. So we all need to stay tuned because I think you're right. There's going to be some additional information between now and this summer and fall. Yeah. I mean, do you think it'll ever, I guess it differs state to state, as you know. And yes. do you think we're ever going to be able to have all states doing it the same way? Or is that just high in the sky thinking there's no way that's going to happen? Well, I, I've been thinking about that because, as you know, we don't have a uniform telehealth or telemedicine. We don't have a federal yet, and we don't have everybody, as you know, where you practice your license. So if you're um, a dentist in Texas, you might be licensed in multiple jurisdictions, multiple states, um, but where you're providing the care. So it's really hard, especially for Medicare, we might have one regulation, but the fiscal, inter what I found is the fiscal intermediaries interpret that differently, you know, in each region, each MAC region. So, you know, as much as I would like to see uniformity, I'm just not seeing uniformity um, for those reasons. And, and I've even had with Medicare or with third-party insurance companies of how they reimburse it's different in different regions, right? Because there's different, you know, and so it's always a challenge to, to the doctors of, especially if they have a multi-state practice, you know, and they're managing um, how they get reimbursed, how they provide care, how they're licensed and how they get reimbursed in those different jurisdictions, different states. So I don't see, and the reason I don't see a uniform application is because of the licensure. There's been, there's been a push to have uniform licensure, but each state, that's a, um, a revenue generation by each state for licensure. So I don't see a uniform licensure coming anytime soon. And then the same with telemedicine. Each state has their own telemedicine. So with the HSP, um, I, unfortunately, there's, 
uniform Medicare, but it's applied differently. So I think we're a long way off, unfortunately, to a uniform application. Are there any other topics you're going to be hitting at the roundtable? What else? Yes, I would like to. Um, I think you've hit the key ones. Um, what I want to do is, like you say, the 40,000 foot level, I want to give an overview of some of the key regulations, how to avoid the pitfalls, um, some key regulations on the compliance side. Um, I, I mentioned um, how to work with other um, healthcare professionals and in, in structuring a, either a professional service agreement, some of the key components to consider, you know, as you work with outside um, healthcare providers for the benefit of your patients. I also want to talk about uh, the impact of the HRC report this last summer um, and how the different sleep associations have handled that. I've been involved at um, one level with a couple of different sleep associations providing feedback because we're in the comment period before it becomes final regulations. Yeah. So I want to talk about that, the impact of that, the CPAP recall on how patients and how healthcare providers are looking at oral, oral devices. Because I think that's incredibly significant. I think it's not only an opportunity, um, but it's also a patient care issue. Um, and, and how do you communicate this too? How do you deliver and communicate this? So um, in addition to the regulatory compliance, um, I want to talk about those issues that I see impacting um, dental sleep medicine very significantly. And then the CPAP recalls? Yes, the CPAP recall. I will tell you, the first thing I did is I checked the family member that uses a CPAP. <laughs> Make sure, you know, who's using which CPAP. And I, I've been talking to some of the people in the industry um, with the different DME companies um, as far as the impact that's had on their business, how they provide care, you know. And so the, the CPAP, I've even had um, some of my clients have given me advice on how to fix it. And, and so um, I'm not going to necessarily provide that at the round table uh, because that's beyond my uh, skill set. But uh, there's been a lot of discussion on how to uh, fix the CPAPs, especially for um, truck drivers and, and people that um, really rely on their CPAPs um, to, to do their job and, and to continue to be compliant to, in order to do their job. So I'm going to talk about the, you know, the, the value of, of how that's impacting the industry, what are the opportunities from a dental sleep medicine perspective and how some are some key tips I think of how to communicate with your patients on these issues because I'm sure that many practices are getting a lot of questions about the report the HRC report on the CPAP side and then the recall so the timing has been very interesting to say the least on on both those developments this summer yeah and again that's something that by October, things will be changing along those lines because, uh, you know, I've got some people that are predicting that DME companies are going to run out of CPAPs before they they ramp up production enough with the uh, the kind that are acceptable. And oh boy, I just I don't know where that's going to go over the next few months. It's going to be an interesting landscape. Well, and that's the great thing about your roundtable, Dr. Smith, because it's very timely. You know, these are not um, 
These are not theoretical uh, issues. These are real time, real solution, real people, real events. And yeah. so I know, I, I like I said at the beginning, I need to be on my game because I know that the people that are gonna be at the round table are some of the best in the industry. Um, they're coming to talk, to learn, to find, you know, to, to network, which I think is one of the keys, and also just to find out what everybody's doing and how they're approaching things. So, I I think that's an amazing opportunity for all of us, you know. And and you put together a really great itinerary. I was looking before our call. Um, there's some really great speakers. So I know even up to the day before, I'm going to make sure um, that I'm ready to go because there's this is in real time. Um, everything has been moving and changing very rapidly. Yeah, get ready for some uh, questions uh, at breaks and, and uh, during the rest of the meeting, too, because they'll be hunting you down, I'm sure. Absolutely. And I, I look forward and I welcome that because... I always, like I mentioned, I always learn a lot. And it's, I think the passion that all the people I know in this um, industry, you know, in this practice is just amazing. You know, always looking to help the patient and to provide the highest level of care and to do it in compliance um, with the, all the regulations, which keep changing. You know, it's, it's a challenge, you know, for whatever stage of career um, a dentist or doctors at, you know, there's always a challenge because it's changing a lot. And, you know, with that challenge always comes opportunity, right? And and so, um, and that's the beauty of this, but I'm, I'm looking forward to a really exciting time. And I know that there's going to be great conversations during the breaks, during the um, sessions, after the sessions. I think everybody's going to be excited to be together. I hope so. Well, Jamie, thanks for chatting with me today. I really appreciate that. Thank you. If you haven't registered already, uh, it's the 10th annual Sleep Roundtable. That's why we have very special speakers like Jamie coming out. We want to make it the best ever. October 7th through 10th, we're expecting hundreds of sleep dentists and their teams. Uh, you just don't want to miss it. And uh, Jamie, once again, thank you so much. We'll see you in October in Dallas. Thank you so much. I really appreciate this opportunity. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Sleep Roundtable podcast. Don't forget to head to sleeproundtable.com to register for the 10th annual Sleep Roundtable and to subscribe to our show. See you in Dallas in October.